morning to everyone. It's good to be here again and share with you um, God's uh, message uh, to us uh, today. Um, but let's begin by asking the Lord for His blessing as we look to His uh, uh, Word today. Uh, Father, Lord, we uh, thank You for today. We thank You, Lord, for uh, bringing each and every one of us uh, in Your church um, uh, to be able to worship You, Lord, uh, in spirit and in truth. Lord, we ask You that as we look to Thy Word, give us a heart that is teachable, uh, a heart, Father, uh, that would respond to Your Word, a heart that would accept Your truth and would apply, Father, whatever we, we learn today from Your Scripture. Lord, I do ask that you will be with me, that, I, uh, that as I bring forth your message, it will be with clarity and conviction, um, that Lord, it will not be words that, that is of my own Father, but it is the truth that is written in the Bible. Just take away the fear, O oh Lord, and just give me boldness and courage. I pray for anyone in our midst today, um, maybe still have questions, Lord, about you. Uh, anyone that has not accepted Jesus Christ as, your, uh, as their Lord and personal Savior, that, Lord, you will move in that person's heart. Uh, this day may be the day of salvation, O oh Lord. And enable your people to be a light to that person, Father. So we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now we're going to continue our short series on the I Ams of Jesus. Of course, our brother Cliff started it uh, a fortnight ago with um, the first one, which is the bread of, of life. And what we have today, let me read it again um, from verse 12 of John chapter 8. And it says here, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. How many of you have been to the show this year? Oh, so a few people. Uh, I was there last night, lots of light, but that's not the kind of light that we're going to speak about tonight, right? The light that we're going to speak about this morning is the light that we really need. It's just so sad, all those lights in the show draws a lot of people. Right? And I, I saw a lot of people there. And I pray that, I mean, a lot of those people probably know some of you in this church. I pray that they would be directed to the light of Christ and be brought to, to this church. And I hope this message would, would, would challenge each and every one of us. 
But as we look at this single verse that we read today, I just would like to share about the text here, a bit of background as I, as I prepare this message. Now in the background of this text, we have the Feast of Tabernacles, also called the Feast of Ingatherings, referring to the gathering of, of crops, or the Feast of Booths, as it was named by God. Now I would like us to read uh, Leviticus chapter 23, verses uh, 33 to 44, and let me just read it for you, the Feast of Tabernacles. The Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, on the 15th day of the seventh month, the Lord's Feast of Tabernacles begins, and it lasts for seven days. The first day is a sacred assembly. Do no regular work, uh, do no regular work. For seven days, present offerings made to the Lord by fire, and on the eighth day, hold a sacred assembly and present an offering made to the Lord by fire. It is the closing assembly. Do no regular work. These are the Lord's appointed feast, which you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies for bringing offerings made to the Lord by fire, the burnt offerings and grain offerings, sacrifices and drink offerings required for each day. These offerings are in addition to those for the Lord's Sabbath and in addition to your gifts and whatever you have vowed and all the free will offerings you give to the Lord. So beginning with the 15th day of the seventh month, after you have gathered crops of the land, celebrate the festival the Lord, to the Lord for seven days. The first day is a day of rest, and the eighth day also is a day of rest. On the first day, you are to take choice fruit from the trees, a palm fronds, leafy branches, and poplars, and rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. Celebrate this as a festival to the Lord for seven days each year. This is to be the lasting ordinance for the generations to come. Celebrate it in the seventh month. Live in booths for seven days. All native-born Israelites are to live in booths. So your descendants will know that I had the Israelites live in booths when I brought them out of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. In verse 44, so Moses announced to the Israelites the appointed feast to the Lord. So this is the background of the text that we have this morning. Now this feast, as we would understand, you can look at it in scripture, or you could look at how, how, what is really the background of this text, but this feast was designed to be a memorial. A memorial of the wilderness wanderings of the people, of the Israelites, when the people dwelt in tents. And also, this is to be a harvest thanksgiving. So this is the background of it. Now, in addition to the prescribed sacrifices, the Jews also performed two additional observances during the feast. The first one is the ceremony of water libation. And in this one is every morning of the feast, there was a joyous procession to the pool of Siloam with music headed by the priest and bringing a, a golden pitcher. 
And this sacrifice proceeded. The priest returning with the water, entering through the water gate, named for this event, with a threefold trumpet blast, poured the water into a silver receptacle at the altar. And this was to remind them the water brought to the rock, brought out of the rock in the wilderness at Horeb. So it became associated with looking for the Lord to the Lord for, for rains. So that was one that they observe also. The second thing is the lightning, uh, lighting the temple. At the end of the first day of the feast, the worshipers congregated in the court of women where a great illumination took place. Four huge golden lamps were there filled with oil and they, they had to use four ladders for this task. The priestly people, uh, uh, youth, uh, will, will do this. They had to use four ladders for this task. And according to the saying, there was not a court in Jerusalem that, that was not lit up by it. Now around the lamps, a sacred dance was conducted and prominent leaders with flaming torches in their hand. And this was accompanied by the Levites. They were playing music. They were, they were having harps, flutes, cymbals, trumpets, instruments without numbers, standing on the 15 steps leading to the court of, the, of women, to the court of Israel. Now, I want us to understand that in this seasonal celebration, the people remembered that as well as the rain, plenty of sunshine was needed on the people, uh, for, for the people. So plenty of sunshine was needed, and the people were thanking God for the sunshine, acknowledging Him as the true light, who would give them spiritual life through the Messiah. Now, if you, if you, if you don't understand what I, was, uh, what I was just saying, but I would, would like us to see that the, the symbolism of this event looked back when God led Israel in the wilderness with a pillar of fire and his presence had dwelt in the tabernacle. And forward to the future Messiah who would be the light of Jehovah arising on the people. Church, understand this. It was this, with this ritual in the backdrop that Jesus made this statement recorded in John chapter 8 verse 12. When he says, I am the light of the world. Now let me read it again. Then Jesus again spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now Jesus here was proclaiming the fulfillment of prophecies of Isaiah to those in Jerusalem. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2, it says there, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. So Jesus was the fulfillment of this, of this prophecy. You see, they had failed to realize that Isaiah predicted a great light would shine in Galilee, bringing illumination to those who lived and walked in darkness and death. You see, as the language here, Jesus used in John chapter 8, verse 12, it echoed Isaiah 9, verse 2. He was pointing to himself as the fulfillment of the prophecy. 
Jesus says here, it's very clear. Jesus stated he was the light. Right? Not merely a light or another light among many lights. Understand this church. He is the only light. The true light that brought life so that people might no longer walk in darkness. Now, in proclaiming himself the light of the world, Jesus here is defining his unique position as the true light for all people, for, for all people, not just to the Jews. He is the light for all people, not just to the Jews. Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 49 verse 6, I will also make you a light of the nations so that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. So it's not just to the Jews. And that's why we're here. Because we've seen that light. We believed in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, he who follows me. Now look at the verse that we have today. He says there, he who follows me. He meant whoever, whoever believes and obeys him. Now if Christ be the light, then it is our duty to follow him. Simple, right? It's very clear. If, he is, if, if Christ be the light, then it is our duty to follow Him, to submit ourselves to His guidance. And everything, we take directions from Jesus in the way that leads to, in, in the way that leads to salvation. Now, I would say this today, church. It is not enough to look at this light. But we must follow it. We must believe in it. And walk in it. It's not for our eyes only. I am saying it as a, as a, as a challenge to each and every one of us. It's not enough to look at this light. We must follow it, we must believe in it, we must walk in it. For it is a light to our feet, not only our eyes. As the psalmist says in Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. You see, there is no such thing as the presence of darkness. Darkness is the absence of, of light. In John chapter 3, verses 19, 20, it says, This is the judgment that the light has come into the world, and men loved the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. And that's the sad, that's the sad truth. That's the sad reality. 
But it's so nice to hear in the scripture that we have here today, Jesus says of those who follow him will not, work, will not walk in darkness. In fact, in John chapter 12, verse 46, he says, I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. As a traveler follows the light in a dark night, right? I mean, you've been to, to, to camps in, in, in Australia. Right? You've been to church camps. At night, you play games. Probably, if we, if, we, if we go to a camping site as a church, and we go out there, walk on a trail with only one tor- torchlight leading the way, there was no question whether we follow it or not. Am I right? If we wanted to remain on the path and not stumble in the darkness. Psalms, the psalmist says in Psalms 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. His word. That's why it's so important for us to to read his word. And also, let me just read to you 1 John 1, 5, 7. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. And I think that verse also challenges us as today. When we follow Jesus, accepting Him as Savior and Lord, and following Him, we are walking in the light. And if we are really following him, we no longer walk blindly in our sin. Rather, his light shows us our sin and our need for forgiveness, guides us along life's pathway, and leads us into eternal life with him. The psalmist again says in Psalm 36, verse 9, In your light, we see light. It's only in Jesus Christ. And Jesus said again, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We have the light of life. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you were once were not a people, but now you're a people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received 
mercy. What a beautiful verse. And again, that's why we, we are here in his, in his church. We have the light of life. That knowledge and joy in God, which is the light of spiritual life in this world and of everlasting life is in the next world, when there will be neither death nor darkness. You see, church, this is the light which Jesus brought us and still gives today to the blind. He gives sight. To those in darkness, He gives light. How? We are lights in the world and must reflect the sun as a church. Now I want us to read Acts chapter 13. Acts 13, let me read to you from verses 44 to 47. And it says there, On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and talked abusively against what Paul was saying. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, We had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Paul and Barnabas make it clear that the expectation of bringing light to the world falls to the followers of Jesus. This saying of Jesus, I am the light of the world, is the only one of the I am statements which Jesus also said of his his followers. Now recall that in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus told his disciples in Matthew chapter 4, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. It's our responsibility as a church. Now, you might ask the question, how is it that we can be what Jesus himself was? You see, the light we have isn't from ourselves. It is from, it is from God. Our light is a derived light. It is an indirect light. And just think of, of the sun and the moon. The moon has no light of its own. It simply reflects the radiant light of the sun. In the church, Matthew 5, 16, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Now we have Jesus Christ. Jesus has given us our instructions as well as the example that we must follow. 
You see, this light is available to the whole world. Let me read again, John 8, 12, that Jesus again spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. It's available to the Lord. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And now through us, Jesus continues to extend his light to the, to the whole world. Now I want us to understand this. The first Bible some people in your life will ever read will be the Bible of your life. Because they don't, they don't read the Bible right away. The first Bible they will ever read, it's you. The Bible of your life. The first sermon they will ever hear will be a sermon in your shoes. You. Church, you are writing a gospel, a chapter each day, by the deeds that you do, by the words that you say. Men read what you are writing, whether faithless or true. Let me ask you, what is the gospel according to you? The only way they will get to know Jesus as the true light of the world is if they see that light reflected by you, shining in you. It is the only light leading to salvation. You can invite your friends to the show. It's the last day today, right? Beautiful lights, but direct them to the, the, the correct light. that leads to salvation. When Jesus says, I am the light of the world, that excludes all other lights. Again, these claims that Jesus makes are exclusive in, in nature. Understand that. But it is not merely one or two statements that were made, but several. Now, each of these statements is exclusive. John 14, 6, uh, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. If anyone is to be saved, they must be saved through Jesus. Only through Jesus. Acts chapter 4, verse 12, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Now let me apply this today to each and every one of us. Now what will you do with the light of Christ today? Now this single verse in the Gospel of John tells us three important things for all of us. Jesus is the only true light leading to salvation. Those who follow the light do not walk in darkness, but we have the light of life. Those who follow must reflect the light of life to the world. If you are a Christian, this is my challenge to you. If you are a Christian, you have that responsibility. 
to shine that light. Again, as I've said, the first Bible that they will ever read is the Bible of your life. The first sermon that they will ever hear is you. If you're a Christian but have fallen away, come back to the light today. If you are not a Christian today, recognize that you are in darkness. Please don't harden your heart to shield your life to the light of life. Hear the word. Believe with all your heart. Repent of your sins. Confess Jesus as, yours, as the Son of God and be baptized for the remission of sins. Now, how do I, 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 I challenge each and every one of you today? And I think it's very clear, it's very direct for us what Scripture says, what Jesus says. It's a clear challenge. Now, let me just close by sharing to you a story that I have heard uh, many times uh, from preachers that I've, I've listened to um, in, in churches that I attended uh, back in, in Singapore and, and even in other uh, countries and churches that I've attended. And there was a story of a, a boatman and a very intelligent person who calls himself a, a scholar. And he, he hired this uh, boatman because uh, he wanted to, uh, to travel across um, to another, another land. And during the journey, uh, this so-called professed intelligent person, uh, scholar, asked the boatman, do you know philosophy? He said, no, he replied. Do you know psychology? No. Do you know geology? Nope. Do you know accountancy? No. Then this so-called scholar, he says, I suppose you don't know anything. You just know how to drive your boat. And he says, pretty much. And the scholar said, mm, life must be pretty boring for you then. Just then, a storm erupted. And the waves were beating badly against the boat. And this scholar, this intelligent person, was so afraid. And the boatman asked him, Do you know how to swim? And he said, No, please help. He replied. And the boatman said, That's too bad. And he said, Do you know God? And the scholar says, No, I don't. The boatman said, then that's even worse. The boatman brought out a lamp, lifted it up and asked, do you believe this can save us? 
this can save you? Do you believe that this light can save you? The man began to wave the lamp, sending a signal in the darkness to the surrounding boats for help. Eventually, they were saved. The light saved them. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. No psychology, no philosophy, no whatever you have, you think you have in this life can save you. Only Jesus Christ. So if there is anyone here today who don't have Jesus yet in their life, that's worst. No matter if you tell me, oh, your career is very good. No matter if you tell me, or your bank account is, is, is thicker than this Bible. No matter if you tell me that I can travel the world as much as I can. I can enjoy life as much as I can. Those things will not save you. I'm not saying they're bad. You can go on holidays, you can even take me. But please, if you don't have Jesus, don't wait. Let me pray. Father, Lord, we thank you for your love for all of us, oh God. Your word says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that through him, we have been saved. We have been forgiven. We have been shown the light that we needed, Father, in this darkness. Lord, it is my prayer that whatever the situation that we are in right now, individually, where we are right now in our journey of faith and belief in you, O oh God, help us to really be thankful with genuinity in our hearts, Father, for what you've done for giving us the light of life in Jesus Christ. Lord, enable us to examine ourselves today as we reflect upon your message, as we reflect upon what you've done for us. If we are Christians, but we have been slack, we have been away from you, we have been living a life that we should not be living. Lord, remind us today and enable us today to have that courage and boldness to step out of that spot where we are in, but come back to you in that light. And if there be anyone in our midst who don't have Jesus Christ yet, it is my prayer, O oh Lord, that this day is the day of salvation. If he or she has questions, Lord, 
There are so many people in this church, the leaders, their friends, they could have asked questions. Just take away that fear in that person, Father. And it is my prayer also that as a church, you will bless this church, O oh God. They will be what they are called to be, Father, a light in this world. You've blessed this church with this beautiful place, with the resources that they have. I pray that you will enable them to be a light of the world outside, that many would, would come and know you. Lord, thank you. Thank you for everything. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.